I will add my welcome to you all. Appreciate you all being here with us on this first day of the week. Appreciate our visitors coming our way. Thank you very much for your attendance here. And we hope you're edified by the things that this group does each and every first day of the week here in Cortez. Oh, I wanted to give one more little plug I forgot to announce to Bill. Um, this evening, if you'd like to join us, uh, you'd be welcome. Of course, we'll meet at five o'clock. I'm gonna begin a series on the seven churches in Asia. So if you have any interest in that from Revelation chapters two and three, I'm gonna begin a series, we're gonna look at each church. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that and to hear some, some words of encouragement, hopefully, and uh, admonishment as well, the lessons that we can learn from these seven churches in Asia. So please uh, come back if you have opportunity tonight at five o'clock. There are many places in the Bible where we can see the providence of God at work. When we think of God's providence, one, one place that we often think about is we think about the book of Esther. I had Bobby read from Esther, that passage, those two verses there from chapter 4 about deliverance for the Jews. Mordecai telling Esther, if it doesn't come from you, it's going to come from someplace else. And we see in that the providence, even though God is not mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther, we understand his providence is all throughout that book. And there's another book that displays this characteristic of our God, his providence. This book also centers around a woman and also shows us how God causes things to work together to fit his will. But in doing so, it also tells us the exceptional character of the book's namesake. And that book is the book of Ruth. So if you'd like to, please turn to the book of Ruth. For this morning, I'd like for us to examine Ruth's character and see what role it plays in God's providence. Now that might sound a little bit off, but I hope you'll understand the point I'll make at the, at the end of our lesson. It's how God's providence works and how he uses people to carry out his will. So let's begin by understanding some things about Ruth. And let's start by understanding that Ruth was, was loyal. If you remember the story that begins here in chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, we read about Naomi and her husband Elimelech. They lived in Bethlehem. And early in the, in the book here, we see that they leave Bethlehem. And the reason why is because there was a famine in their homeland, their homeland of Judah. There was a famine. So they leave and they travel into the land of Moab. And Naomi and Elimelech had two sons, Malon and Chilion. Early on, we see that Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. And so it leaves Naomi with just her two sons. And then we see that the two sons marry. They each take a bride. And they each take a bride from the, among the Moabites, the people of the land in which they were living. Now, this was not in accordance with God's will. God did not want his children to be led astray by foreign influences. 
And nowhere is this more evident than in the story with Solomon. In 1 Kings 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their own gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. It was not God's will for these people, for his children, to marry the inhabitants of this land, of any land that they were in. Because he knew that they would lead them astray. And we see that so clearly with King Solomon. But like Solomon, these two, Malon and Chilion, they did not heed these words of God. And so they married these Moabite women. And they stayed there in the land for about ten years. And then... Malon and Chilion, they both die. So we're left then with Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. And that would be Orpah and Ruth. Now Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem. And at first, both daughters say that they will go with her. They say that we will return with you to your homeland. But Naomi pleads with them. It says, you can return to your own home. You stay there where you came from. So Orpah takes her leave after this plea from Naomi. But it says that Ruth clings to Naomi. Even after Naomi pleaded with her to leave, Ruth said, no, I'm going to stay with you. And even though Ruth has lost her husband and her mother-in-law has told her that she has no more responsibility to this family, Ruth remains loyal. Look in verses 16 through 18 of chapter 1. It says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she, Naomi, saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This first characteristic we see in Ruth is a sense of loyalty. There's no reason for her to stay with Naomi. And Naomi even pleaded with her to return to her, her home. But Ruth said no. She said, I'm going to go with you. I'm committed to you. I am loyal to you. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. We see loyalty in Ruth. We also see humility in Ruth. As the story goes, Naomi and Ruth, they go back to Bethlehem, where Naomi was from. And it happens to be during the time of the barley harvest, where the famine was over now in Judah, And so they decided to return back home. And they returned to Bethlehem during the time of the harvest. And Ruth asks Naomi permission to go and glean. To glean from the fields during the harvest. Now gleaning meant that this would be the leftovers from the harvest and the corners of the fields. Back in Leviticus uh, 19, verses 9 and 10, this is from 
God's commandments to the Israelites. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor gather every grape from your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. This is the way the Lord set up for these people to harvest their crops. They were to leave the corners and not glean those things that had fallen by the wayside. Leave those for the strangers and the poor, the people who needed that. And so when Ruth comes back with Naomi to Bethlehem, she asked Naomi permission to go out and do this, to go out and glean. There's a couple of reasons for her motivation. One we can be sure of is that she was doing this to gather, uh, to gain favor in the sight of the landlord, of the landowner. Look in, in chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. We understand that motivation for, for Ruth to do this. We can also possibly understand and see from this example and what we know about the living conditions and what we'll read, that it was possibly to be able to help provide for Naomi. We already have established that she had a sense of loyalty to Naomi because of who she was and her commitment to her. Look over in chapter 2 and verse 18. So this is after the time that that Ruth has gone and gleaned from the fields. Verse 18 says, And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took out of it and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. So we see in this possible motivation that she's understanding she needs to help provide for Naomi, because this is a widow and an older lady, and she needed help. So possibly part of her motivation was to be able to help in the household here of Naomi. Well, we certainly understand that she was doing this to gain favor in the sight of the landowner. So she goes and gleans in the fields of Boaz. Boaz happens to be the landowner where she goes. And Boaz happens to be a relative of Elimelech, who was Naomi's late husband. So when Boaz finds out who she is, he brings her under his protection. Look in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. Verses 8 and 9, chapter 2, says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go out from this one. But stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. So this Boaz, who happens to be a relative of Naomi's late husband, is the, field, the landowner of the fields where Ruth goes to glean. And she comes under his protection. When, he, when Boaz learns of Ruth's loyalty and humility, he's already learned of this, of her. Look in verses 11 and verses 12 of chapter 2. And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother and your land and your birth. And you came to, the, and came to the people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, uh, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. 
Isn't this a wonderful story? <laughs> Already. And it gets better. So Ruth has come. She's going to be gleaning in the fields of Boaz, and Boaz is going to protect her. And he promised that he would. And we see, as we were talking about Ruth's humility, we see in her responses to Boaz, we see her humility. Look in verse 10. It says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Look also in verse 13. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord. You have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Look also in verse 23. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go and go with the maids, lest others fall upon you in another field. I'm sorry, down to verse 23. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Don't you see in that a humble and loyal spirit in Ruth? She's, she has just simply said that I want to go out and glean to pick up the leftovers from the harvest, and we can, I can, with this I can provide for this household. And she does it in humility and in loyalty. What else we know about Ruth? We also know that she was a virtuous woman. The story continues that Naomi comes up with a plan. She comes up with a plan to endear Ruth to Boaz. So she tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor at night, where they're threshing out the grain. And after Boaz, Boaz had eaten and drank and had laid down to sleep, she was to go and to uncover his feet and to lay down at his feet. Now, this should not be considered anything promiscuous. There are some teachings out there and some that hold that this is, somehow has some kind of promiscuity involved in this. But this is, a, we're establishing here a virtuous woman. So this is out of character for Ruth to say that it would be promiscuous. Rather, this was a sign of submission and an act of kindness. And we know this by Boaz's response. Look in chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Your act of kindness. This is what Boaz saw this as, as an act of kindness. And we also know from what Boaz says here that she was indeed a virtuous woman. Look in verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in this city know that you are a woman of excellence. If you're reading from the New King James, it probably says that you are a virtuous woman. So we know about her virtue. We know that this thing that she did was not promiscuous in any way. This is an act of kindness that she displayed. And Boaz, knowing of her, and knowing of her reputation and what she'd already done, took it as that, as an act of kindness. And we see Boaz displaying integrity as well. He tells her that he will redeem her if her closest relative would not. And this was a duty of the family to take care of the widows. He also protected her integrity by secreting her out in the morning. Look in verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, 
and rose before one could recognize one another. And he said, let it not be known that this woman came to the threshing floor. Verse 15, again he said, give me the cloak that is on your head, uh, that, is, that is on you, and hold it. So she held it and measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. We see a man of integrity in Boaz. This promiscuity could have been inferred from what took place, but he took care of her. So he'd get up early in the morning and go before anyone else gets up. And he gives her these uh, six measures of barley to place on her back. Unsure about the six measures of barley, but it maybe was a cover story for her as to why she was out at this time of the morning. But we clearly see integrity on the side of Boaz, as well as Ruth, a virtuous woman. So what's the result of this? So we've looked at her loyalty and her humility and her virtue. Well, let's read the rest of the story. Boaz offered to redeem the land that belonged to Elimelech from the closest relative of Elimelech. And the closest relative agrees first. And when he comes to Ruth, and what comes with that is Ruth's hand in marriage. Look over in verse uh, 10 of chapter 4. Verse 10 of chapter 4 says, Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on inheritance, so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brothers, or from the court of his birthplace, you are witnesses today. The offer was made to the closest relative first. He refused. So the offer then, then Boaz says, I will redeem this land. And with that comes Ruth. So we have this beautiful story continuing to unfold. How it is that Ruth came to be the wife of Boaz. So Boaz and Ruth are married and they have a child. And the, woman of the, the women of the city bless the child and give the child the name Obed, which means servant. And notice what the women say to Naomi. Look down in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 4. It says, The women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may have his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. What a blessing that is. But look, about, look at the things that are said here about this child. Redeemer. Named to be famous in Israel. Restorer of life. Sustainer of old age. What's that pointing to? Clearly we see some overtones of some other things in here. Look in verse 17. And the neighbor, neighbor women gave him the name saying, A son has been born to Naomi, so they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Verse 18, now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram. And to Ram, Amenadab, and to Amenadab was born Nashon. And to Nashon, Salmon. 
Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Here in the first chapter of Matthew, we have the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. Verse 2, To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac Jacob, and Jacob Judah, and his brothers. And to Judah was born Perez, by Zerah, by, uh, and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron Ram. And to Ram was born Abinadab, and to Abinadab Nashon, and to Nashon Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. And to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. And to Obed Jesse, and to Jesse was born David the king. Drop down to verse 14, 15. And to Eliud was born Eleazar, and to Eleazar Mathon, and to Mathon Jacob. And to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary by whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Boaz and Ruth were ancestors to our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing to think about? And while we understand that God will carry out his plan as he wishes, and no matter what, no matter what circumstances might befall here on earth, he's going to carry out his plan. Isn't it encouraging to see that his will being carried out through the actions and the character of certain people. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? So in a way, we have Ruth to thank for our Lord. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? God was going to carry out his, his providence. He was going to carry out his promise that he made to Abraham so many years ago. He was going to carry that out by whatever means necessary. But isn't it wonderful that we have this story of Ruth preserved for us? So we see her character, the things that she had, the loyalty, the humility, the virtue, all those playing a part. Her loyalty, her humility, her virtue served as a channel through which God's providence flowed. And we have example of people's righteous behavior being blessed by God. What blessings await us if we behave righteously? If we display humility and virtue and loyalty? What blessings do we have in store for us? Something to think about. The choices we make reflect our character. You see the choices that Ruth made in her life. They were a direct reflection of her character. Her loyalty, her humility, her virtue brought her through these tough times. And as a result of her remaining true to her character, God blessed her. Back in verse, the second part of verse 13 in chapter 4, And the Lord enabled her to conceive, or gave her conception, and she gave birth to a son. The Lord enabled her to conceive. What a blessing. And what a blessing it was that that lineage would then lead to David, 
and would ultimately lead to Jesus Christ. Are you remaining true to godly character? Are you making the right choices? Are the choices you make reflecting your character? Are you loyal? If so, how does that affect your choices? Are you humble? And if so, how is that displayed to the things that you do? If you're a person of virtue or integrity, do people know that? Can people see that in you? And the first choice begins with choosing to follow Jesus Christ. There is no other way to come to the Father except through the Son. And as we see this wonderful story preserved for us and understand that our Lord came through this lineage, but our Lord dwelt on this earth, Emmanuel, as God with us. And he left behind his words, his teachings, and his great example. His great example of humility. His great example of loyalty. And his great example of integrity. And he's asked us to follow after him. To come to the Father through him. There's only one way to do that, and that's to come to him through baptism. Be baptized, putting away the sins of the flesh, coming up out of the water, a new creature, raised to walk in newness of life. If you have not accepted that, if you have not made that choice, you can right now. Or you can study further, and we can help you with that as well. If as a child of God you have strayed from the truth, you are not living a virtuous life, or a life of integrity, or a life of humility, if you are not giving God your best and you need the prayers of the congregation, we can help you with that as well. You can let your wishes be known by coming forward as we stand and sing.